Blog Talk Radio. Yes, this is Delon White, R&B soul singer of Ambient Records, and you are listening to Bianca Fly on her beautiful Butterfly Radio Show, part of the Vibration Radio Network, where she gives interviews, information, and covers all types of topics. Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. want to say happy Tuesday to you guys out there. I um, hope that <clears throat> the weekend was great for you um, and hope that this week is kicking off on a great and a positive note. I know a lot of folks are getting prepared for Thanksgiving, so some folks are traveling, some folks are whipping up their, their best dishes. Uh, this week. So if you are traveling, please be safe in your journeys um, to and from and all those great things. And if you didn't know, um, the beautiful Butterfly Radio Show is brought to you by Vibration Radio. That means you're listening to a show that's being broadcast globally. So we would love to thank uh, Vibration Radio for always supporting us over here on the network, as well as our great friends um, out in Kansas City, uh, where Ambient Records is one of our sponsors of our show uh, with the CEO, Stephen Jerome Ferguson. So we thank you so much. And to our friends in Marrero, Louisiana, at the shop, uh, the shop, Daiquiri um, shop. And so if you're ever in Marrero, Louisiana, make sure you go and check out the shop uh, located at 3609 West Bank. Avenue um, and Highway um, and tell them B5 sent you guys and so tonight you guys we are in store for a special treat and um, I before I start um, the show I want to thank you guys uh, for your prayers, your inboxes, your emails um, if you didn't know, uh, we've had um, several um, deaths occur in the family within the past um, two or three weeks, and so we are pressing through, but we appreciate you guys for your understanding, your support, um, and your prayers most of all. So I appreciate each and every one of you who lifted us up um, in your thoughts and your prayers. And so tonight, you guys, we are welcoming author Mary Moss. She's going to be joining us, you guys. She is the author of Woman with the Alabaster Jar and Woman at the Well. Um, and so tonight she's going to come on and she, we're going to um, talk about her books um, also. Uh, but tonight we're going to also uh, delve into uh, how to make your dreams come true. Um, a lot of us have dreams and aspirations of, of things that we desire and want out of life, but we don't always know about going the path on how to make those things happen. And so tonight, uh, Mary's going to be joining us. And if you guys have any questions or comments during the broadcast, feel free to call in. The number is 347-326-9139 is the number. But we're not going to delay any longer. We're going to bring the lady of the hour on here. Mary, are you there? I am. I am here. Welcome. How are you doing? 
Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely, my pleasure. I am excited to finally have you on the show, and I've definitely been looking forward to it. And uh, I appreciate, um, I know we originally had scheduled for last week, and and, and things just took a a heck of a turn, but I appreciate your understanding. and, And I'm glad that you're able to join me this evening. I am too, and no problem at all. No problem at all. That that that's tough. You've got to be there for your family. Absolutely, so that's absolutely. the most important thing. Yes. So, Mary, for the folks out here, um, tell them a little bit about yourself. Who who is Mary Moss? Oh boy, I could <laughs> write a whole book on that. <laughs> well, I always tell people um, in my nine to five life, I'm um, an office administrator for a company that manages a large transportation project here in Virginia. Okay. Um, And it's really great. I didn't know anything about transportation per se, other than how to drive a car before I started (laughs) it. So I really learned a lot. And that's one of the things I love about the job is that um, I just learn something new every day. Hmm. So I, I very much enjoy that. But in my dream life, and I always mm-hmm. uh, divide the two, although uh, these days I'm able to live in both worlds, and it's really right. a blessing. But in my dream life, I'm a writer, author, poet, um, speaker, mm-hmm. uh, biblical storyteller, which I really mm-hmm. enjoy and haven't done much lately, but I'm really excited to be getting back into that. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. So what was it um, that interested you um, as far as um, being a biblical storyteller? What interested you um, you in uh, being able to share those stories with people? Well, I've always always had a really active imagination. Mm -hmm. And um, being a writer, um, it was kind of a natural outpouring of that. I actually... um, I'm a member of the United Methodist Church, and um, quite a few years ago, I was in the program that they have where laity can become, um, fill the pulpit for pastors, go to nursing homes, other things like that. And one of the courses that they had for continuing education was biblical storytelling. Plus, um, someone that I love dearly, um, who I was introduced to through my church, is a fantastic storyteller. And she was always so impassioned and and mesmerizing. And so while I don't know that I could say either of those things about myself, I certainly (laughs) enjoyed it. Um, My favorite character to play, the one that I've done the most, is the woman at the well. And that Mm -hmm. corresponded nicely with my first book. So it was just a natural outcropping. And I just act out that scripture in the story. It's really neat. one one of the, the places that I went was um, a senior assisted living home, and um, one of the ladies, they all, it was all elderly people, and they all enjoyed it, but one of the ladies, and I was in costume, of course. I was dressed up like <laughs> um, a woman in biblical times to make it more authentic, yeah. and um, one of the dear ladies started talking to me as if I were that woman. You know, she was a little bit senile, and she was like, now, what was it like to really meet Jesus? You know, it was just so sweet, and it it made me feel like I must have done a pretty good job. I must have touched her, you know, in some way, which is really what my heart's desire is. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I've always been one. Um, Growing up, um, my grandmother had a cassette, um, well, some VHS. She had some VHS, but she also had audio, um, audio versions of the Bible. And I've always done it, you know, love the fact that you get a different perspective hearing something through audio, but you also get a different perspective seeing something visually, you know, when someone's right. before And so you, you know, a lot of times you get a, even a better understanding about different things that happen in the Bible when you're able to actually see them before you or hear them in um, a different way. And so did you yourself as a child, you know, enjoying hearing stories about the Bible that way. Dad was a big storyteller, and um, he sang a lot of Irish folk songs and old-time songs for us. And and we were all, um, several of us were big readers. And so it was just a, a house full of learning and reading and singing. And I can't sing, but some of my sisters can. Um so it was it was a house that was filled very much with um, imagination and creativity along those lines in different ways. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, uh, for you, what inspired or what encouraged you um, to become a writer, to become an author? Well, I um, had a couple of blogs that I started way back, way way back when they were like a thing, you know, it was brand new Um, because I wanted to just share some of my thoughts that I did like a daily devotion is how it started out. And I just wanted to share it with a circle of friends and then that kind of grew. And then as, as the, uh, the format grew, you know, the, the following got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And I had several people tell me, you know, you really need to just put this in a book so more people can have access to it. So um, I thought, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> so I set out to uh, to put um, Woman at the Well together. Um, it's a collection of original poetry, scripture, and mm-hmm. original writing. Some of the, the um, writings in the first book are um, adapted from the blog, some of the blog posts that I did early on. Um, and I love her story. Story. I love the fact that she was an unnamed woman, but that she was so important to the uh, the biblical scholars that they included her story because the message that she had was so powerful. And um, you know, we were raised pretty much to be feminists, not as protesting, just because I had four sisters and and a brother. Um, you know, so we were very much used to being, and my mom was always a strong woman. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it never occurred to us that, um, you know, that we would not be. But in, as the more I studied the Bible and understood how undervalued um, women were and how they were Absolutely. literally considered property and had no voice. Mm-hmm. And the fact mm-hmm. that she had the courage um, and was in such desperate need of healing that she didn't ma- didn't care what um, what the consequences might be. She was so desperately wanting what Jesus had to offer her that she was Absolutely. willing to risk that. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And, and for you, uh, oh, speaking of books, you, you've written um, some awesome books um, yourself. And so tonight we're going to be talking about the, the woman with the alabaster jar and uh, the woman at the well. And so for you, uh, because a lot of times, uh, you know, talking with authors, there's that initial hesitation that people have about, oh, I don't know if I <laughs> if I want to put out this book or not. And so At the Well, was that first one? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, it, um, you know, they say ignorance is bliss. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know any better. And I did. I self-published it. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, so, well, I, um, Go ahead. For the folks that are here, uh, Woman at the Well, um, tell tell us a little bit about um, this particular book because it's actually um, a bit of poems and, and devotions as well, correct? That's right. It has poetry mm-hmm. and devotions and um, scripture passages. Okay. Um, and I also in I left blank pages at the end for note taking. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, for personal study if, or if you have a thought while you're reading it. And mm-hmm. this book really documents my faith journey as an mm-hmm. adult um, yeah. it's in three sections. The first one is um, searching for God's saving grace. Um, the second section is discovering God's amazing grace. And then mm-hmm. the final section is relying upon God's sufficient grace. So it's really a progression through understanding how grace manifests itself in our lives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and I wanted to ask you, because a lot of times I feel that especially at a part of our lives, and for some people that could be in college, um, I I remember uh, when I was in college, a lot of students trying to really discover you know, what path they wanted to go down spiritually. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. had been raised mm-hmm. with different beliefs, and that's kind of the time where, you know, you're out on your own and, and you're trying to find that path, um, you know, for yourself. And so do you think that it is very challenging, you know, when we're at different stages in life to really discover what path, you know, that we want to be on spiritually? Right. It is. Well, yeah. I was raised in the church. I was raised Catholic, um, yeah. you know, and did all, everything up through high school, youth group and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went to college, as happens to a lot of um, young people, yeah. I stopped going to church. You know, nobody right. went to church. <laughs> I lived right. on campus and, <laughs> you know, it, it just and so I drifted away. And it's sad. Yeah. But I think it's it's almost a rite of passage, I think, for a lot of, mm-hmm. of people. I was blessed in that many years later, um, my daughter was in second grade mm-hmm. and she came home from school and she said, Mom, there's a new boy in class, and his mother is a preacher. <laughs> and I want to, you know, she was so enamored of this woman. And I'm thinking, well, not only should I be taking her to church, you know, here I am pushing this woman power thing. So, okay, we'll go, we'll just go and see her. And I figured that would be the end of that. And um, the church that I'm still a part of um, was a little tiny church back then. And was so welcoming and um, 
just surrounded us with love. She and I just went the first time just to check it out. And the pastor was one of the most dynamic people I've ever met, just so spirit-filled and loving. Um, and I, I just I fell in love with her and with the church. And so I came home and told my husband, okay, we've got to go back. <laughs> You're going to like this church. And we did. <laughs> and um, have been members there ever since. She's uh, 31 now, and I think she was in second grade then. So we've been there a long time. Wow. And, um, wow. you know, it, it was a blessing. And so a lot of what this book is, is um, a lot of the poems and the writings are dedicated to some of the people who – helped me on that journey as an adult because our faith looks a lot different after we've had some life experiences and, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, been, and, and drifted away, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's what the first book I always say is really, it's, it's joyful and um, it's not light because it's very thoughtful, but it's kind of like, you know, the ending, <laughs> you know, it's like, right. oh, great. <laughs> She's discovered God's sufficient grace. That's wonderful. Um, but it really is a roadmap, too, I think, of, of that initial curiosity almost. Absolutely. And then, you know, starting to adopt some of the some of the, the life lessons that you've learned and then applying them to just carry on with your daily life. Absolutely. So that's what the Man. first one is about. Mary, what do you believe is is this? Because you know you, you spoke about how in college you know you kind of fell off, and so what do you believe that reconnected you um, with your faith and reconnected you um, to ha- have a better relationship uh, with God um, coming out of it, college? It was it was literally um, my daughter wanting to yeah. go see this woman woman preacher. Yeah, um, yeah, the the mother of the little boy, and like I said, when I w- walked in the door with her, um, there was no shame, no you know, um, condemnation, no judgment. It was like, right. hey, we're glad you're here. Come on in. Helped us get settled, and you know, um, introduce uh, several people introduced themselves, and um, you know, so that that made a huge difference to have a faith community that you instantly. Um, feel a part of and feel connected to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and for you at that time, was it also important to kind of set that example um, for your daughter, um, even at, a, yes. at an early age? Yeah. Yes, it was because cause religion, our faith had been very important. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, it was central in our family growing up and I recognized my husband and I both came from different faith backgrounds and that was part mm-hmm. of our, neither one of us wanted to to be in the faith background of the other, you know? And so right. it was like, okay, well, we just won't go, you know, and yeah. it's too bad. I miss out on a lot. We all did, but you know, mm-hmm. I think God's timing is, is always right. So he, he used all of that for his purpose. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And, and for you, um, because a lot of times, you know, throughout life, um, as you said, that uh, different situations will make us question our faith, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you have questions on, you know, my God, why is this happening? Why is this um, taking place? And 
for you personally, how did you, you know, process that without, because a lot of times, you know, people do stray away uh, because things get so heavy and they're thinking like, okay, if I'm, if I have this belief and I'm having this phase, why are these things happening? And so for you throughout your life, how did you kind of reaffirm it in yourself, you know, not to give up on your faith, even during the, right. the time times, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I think just because it was so foundational mm-hmm. and I, I think I always um, felt that, that draw. Um, yeah. And I guess, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm just an eternal optimist. I really always think that, you know, I'm a big worrier, but I worry <laughs> even knowing that, you know, things are going to turn out the way they're going to turn out and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And so, right. you know, and so I think that helped a lot, but I, I really do think it's just, um, I was raised in the Catholic church and, and the church is just, it's so beautiful. And I know there are a lot of issues and a lot of bad things, um, like in a lot of other religions, but the, the church, the ceremony and the rites they're just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was a child, I went um, a year to a Catholic school and we went to mass every morning and it was still, um, it wasn't in English then. It was still in Latin. And even though oh, I wow. didn't understand the language, you know, it's a beautiful language. Absolutely. And so I think just, just early on, I just fell in love with it and fell in mm-hmm. love with um you know, probably not even realizing that I was actually in love with God. And, mm. you know, it, it was just, yeah. our faith was just a given. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why I never really gave up. I think it was part, mm-hmm. it started out as rebellion and then out of habit of not going. And then, you know, we got busy, we got doing things, um, you right. know, life happened. And it, it was never, um, as an adult, it was never a, a defiant, you know, thing or out of anger. It was just um, opportunity and indifference, I think, at that point. Absolutely. 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 Because, you know, that's the thing, especially, you know, you mentioning going off to college because it is one thing to have to wake up, you know, every every Saturday or Sunday morning and go to church because your parents are saying, okay, it's time to get up. We have to go. Right. Versus me off at college. Nobody's waking you up. Nobody's saying you have to go, you know, so the choice being, you know, becomes yours. And I remember mom. Uh, my freshman year, she called me every Sunday morning. Are you on your way to church? Even other times I didn't want to go, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going, you know. Right. So it, it's, it's different, you know, when you're in the household versus, That's you know, right. and making those decisions yourself. And so uh, then uh, you, you have also written. Um, and another uh, amazing book, which I definitely love the title, uh, A Woman with the Alabaster Jar. Uh, and so talk to us about where the inspiration came uh, for the woman uh, with the alabaster jar. Well, it's a funny story. It's funny, kind of, I guess, funny and ironic. Um, <laughs> I had always planned immediately after writing Woman at the Well that I was going to write a second book called Women with the Alabaster Jar. And I had this idea of doing unnamed women in the Bible and then building a book um, around them. Um, 
And, you know, life happens, things change. I ended up going back to work full time um, mm-hmm. so that my husband could pursue some other things in his career. And, yeah. you know, it just, things got by the wayside. And then my mom, um, almost six years ago now, um, was diagnosed with cancer and lived nine months and passed mm-hmm. away. And wow. even though I had not lived at home full time since I was 17, our family was right. very close. And, you know, I shared that I had three sisters and a brother. And right. um, we were all very close. And my mom was always the heart of the family. Yeah. And yeah. she was she was just a force unto herself. And it was devastating. And we wow. all, our faith, all of our faiths were tested um, because we prayed so hard, you know, believing that she was going to be healed. Yeah. And, um, and she wasn't. And it rocked my world. It rocked right. my faith, honestly. Um, and I didn't realize how, um, how dark I had gotten, how deep into a, a pit I had kind of allowed myself to get. Um, I didn't go to grief counseling. Um, mm-hmm. 99.9% of my family lives on the West Coast, and I'm in Virginia. So I wow. didn't have the the ability or option to go through all the right. hurts with them and to process the grief appropriately. Um, and I knew that I probably I probably knew that I needed grief counseling, but I kept saying, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I can deal with this. And and so gradually over time, I just kind of shut down, and I didn't realize how much I had shut down um, and really after about five years um, I started getting an inkling that went, this is just not right I'd stopped going to church altogether um, wow. even though my husband kept supporting me and you know he kept going to the same church and, and I would mm-hmm. go sometimes you know mainly just to support him or to make him leave me alone <laughs> but um, <laughs> to be perfectly honest yeah, um, yeah. And, and thankfully, thankfully, he, he did um, continue to, to urge me to go. And then I um, I started this, this is where the dream part comes in, this, quote, social media coaching program online um, with a guy that um, I had met uh, kind of in a roundabout way and connected with him online. And he started teaching us about how to maximize social media. I was in a multi-level uh-huh. marketing company at the time, and that was kind of his specialty. And But he was different than most of the other ones out there because he had a heart, and he believed that, you know, that you should nurture your dreams and you should live in your dreams and that you have a purpose and that you need to be human on social media and not treat it like a, you know, a thing, like an entity. Don't use people you know, right. help them, and his dream is to help people, you know, and help his friends and make more friends. That's kind of his motto. Um, and so the social media coaching grew into where we started, uh, quite a few of us started forming um, a deeper relationship with him as we got to know his heart mm-hmm. and, and, and how he thought about life. And he, he has quite an eclectic um, background. He, he was, he, I guess he's still ordained. He was a pastor for a while. Um, so, he, you know, he had the, we had the religious uh, connection, but right. also um, the social media and all of that, because being a, a writer, you know, I'm a communicator, and I crave Absolutely. communication with people. Mm-hmm. 
And so he was, his goal was to help us use social media um, most effectively. And then he decided that he was going to do this thing called Dream. I don't know that he called it, we called it Dream Coach at the time, but he was going to about 35 of us who had gotten, you know, who had been following him for a while and were kind of really involved in, in the program that he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, he was going to have, we were going to have a dream retreat. And the crazy, this is so crazy. Um, we all got on planes and flew to Orlando and we didn't know where we were going after we got to the airport. We knew there was going to be a hot tub and that all of our meals were going to be provided, but we didn't have an address nothing. One of my friends said her husband was sure that she was going to be kidnapped by a cult. <laughs> um, but that, that was part of the mindset and setting the tone. Right. And right. I, I almost didn't go. I went back and forth and back and forth. And, and every day for the week leading up to it, I called um, the assistant coach and, you know, would say, I'm so sick, I don't think I can go. And she goes, oh, I hope yes. you feel better. We really want you to come. What I realized was that I was fighting it so mm. hard because I, yeah. I somehow sensed that it was going to be very impactful. Right. Finally, my husband looked at me and he said, Mary, get on the plane. <laughs> Even if all you do is sleep and soak in the hot tub over the weekend, yeah, I <laughs> just go. Right. And again, you know, thank goodness he did because I did. I went. I met some of the most incredible people through that program. But that three days that I spent in Orlando, um, it was life changing because it the dream was was awakened again. Yeah. You know, I started coming out of. I I quit a job that I had that had become. Soul sucking. I, you know, I mean, it was like, okay, yeah. I'm quitting my job. I'm doing this. Right. I got another job. Um, I didn't really know what I was going to do. And then he started the dream coach. We knew that I was a writer and that I needed to write. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to write this book about my grief. And wow. 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 Um, it was so healing for yeah. me. And I didn't hold back. Um, I just kind of bared, bared my soul as I processed going through the grief. And, you know, my, my conversations with God and all of that, um, this is also in three parts, just like the first book. Um, as I went through the different stages of, of grief and healing, it's, um, it starts out the Valley of the Dry Bones. And then the second section is the years the locust has eaten. And finally, the alabaster jar. Um, the, the subtitle of the book is A Life Poured Out. And that's wow. what brought me back. That's what brought me back. I had to finally let go of mm-hmm. telling God how, how it was supposed to be. And right. being mad at him that it wasn't the way I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And there have been so many blessings. So much grace in the process I was able to let go and I'm continuing to let go of regrets and things I've done mm-hmm. and things I didn't right. do and I mean just, right. it, it was more than about the death of my mom it was about the death of um, my having to be in control or thinking yeah. I was in control 
And Absolutely. my faith now, you know, I compare the two. My faith isn't light and airy anymore. It's really sturdy, and mm-hmm. it's in, it's instead of in spite of, right? Anyway, because now I've made a choice to have this faith, right? And to me, Absolutely. it's a miracle that I can even still have it, and that's by God's grace. That's not on me. Mm-hmm. That's by by His grace, and absolutely. So it's just kind of full circle. This yeah, one just came absolutely. out in August, so I'm still a work in progress on all of that. It sounds like I've yeah. come a lot farther. <laughs> than I have. Well, you know, and it's amazing because a lot of times we, you know, we experience things in life and we don't realize how heavy we carry those burdens of the things right. that we've experienced, you know, and, and and we're constantly carrying them with us and we're even taking on others' burdens of, of things that they right. may have experienced in their lives and just not realizing how much that really weighs us down. And, you know, that's a lesson that I've had to continuously you know, work on and learn because I've always been one of those people that kind of took on other people's burdens, you know, the things Mm -hmm. that they were going through and not realizing the damage that I was doing to myself mentally and physically um, by by taking on so much. And so, and and you go through those battles, especially uh, when death comes and, and things happen because, you know, you're questioning why, why take this person away? Right. Why have this happen now? And um, a, a coworker of mine, you know, uh, and it's ironic that you talked about your experience with your mother because she, she felt the same way. Uh, you know, her mother passed when she was 30 years old and she talked about how she was just really you know, really getting her life on track. You know, she had right. um, did some things early on. She was a teen mother um, early on, and her mother helped her through that process. But she said it seemed like right when she was at that pivotal moment um, of, of just, you know, grasping um, that relationship with God and, and getting her life on track mm-hmm. is when her mother was taken away. And she talked about, you know, how angry. She said, I was angry. I was angry you know, for a very long time, because I just didn't understand why, Mm -hmm. why, you know, my my mother had to be taken away, you know, when I needed her the most. And so, but she's, you know, been able to find and, and hold on to different things that her mother did share with her, you know, during the time that they had um, that, right. that gets her through. And she also talks about, you know, that re- rebuilding her relationship uh, with God and, and, you know, reaffirming her faith because there are moments where our faith is questionable. You know, and some people don't like to say that because it's like, oh, what do you mean? You know, you're questioning, you know, your your faith or whatnot. But it, it it has those moments in our life where it does, you know, come become questionable. Right, right. Well, luckily, you know, I I've always said, you know, that God doesn't need us. Yeah. But he he but he he likes us a whole bunch. Right. <laughs> and right. so he rejoices <laughs> when we turn back to him. You know. Right. I mean, right. obviously, he needs us to be in relationship with him, but mm-hmm. it, but the world's going to go on just fine spinning, you know, around without us. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, he he doesn't just leave us there. Absolutely. You know, I I saw 
looking back through that five years, I saw so I could look back and see so many examples of, of his hand, you know, on my life. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't feel it. Um, probably didn't believe it. But looking back now, I can see really all the way back to my college days. In fact, I share a, a, one of the anecdotes about this crazy um, experience that I had with one of my college roommates. And it, it was so random that there is no reason that I should remember it. Nothing bad happened. Nothing fantastic <laughs> happened. It was just one of those random things. And it would come to mind every few years. Yeah. But I use it's a per it perfectly explains that your life it, it talks about how we um had driven to see her parents who lived a couple hours away from the college. And we were both freshmen, new freshmen. And coming back, um she she didn't really know you know, which exit to get off and all that and I sure didn't because I had never been there. She could get home fine. Um, and we pulled off at, at one of the exits and we were asking for directions and the people didn't know, um, exactly where we were talking about. And, you know, they said, well, wh what road did you come from? And we said, well, you know, we came from the interstate and they said, oh, they'd never been on that new road before. And I can remember <laughs> us very clearly laughing like new road, boy, these people are really something, you know, it's like a 10 year old, 10 years old. You know, right. they, but what I relate in the book is that they never had a, a need to get on there. They right. had gotten on their whole lives. They they got wherever they needed to go, and they never needed to get on that road. Mm. And and I talked about how, you know, I never, you know, how once you experience grief or, you know, whether it's death or the loss of a job or the end of a marriage, you know, whatever it is, um, it's afterwards it's you get on that new road and it's not bad it's just different yeah and if we can yeah. look at it as just a different experience a different part of the journey um you know you never stop grieving it never stops yeah. hurting right we never stop missing them but it just becomes the new normal and absolutely. that's you know that's the only way i i think you can get through it absolutely Absolutely. Just say right. like, okay, Absolutely. so now what do I do? You know, <laughs> right? Now what right. do I do? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, what I want to do is I want to take a little break, you guys, but we're going to come back <coughs> and we're going to uh, discuss um, uh, another very intricate part of the show tonight, and we're going to also discuss about achieving our dreams and, and how to make them happen, and so Mary's going to give us some insight on um, how to make those things happen, um, because like I said earlier in the show, you know, a lot of us have a lot of dreams and aspirations, and, you know, sometimes we, we question those as well on you know, is this what I'm supposed to be doing and all of those great things, and so we're going to take uh, a commercial break, um, but we're going to come back with more Mary Moss, you guys, right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to call in. The number is 347-326-9139 is the number. Or feel free to inbox me um, on Facebook at Bianca Fly, and I'll be um, happy to ask your questions live here on the broadcast this evening, you guys. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more right here on the Butterfly Show. 
And welcome back, everyone, to the beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. And that was song was entitled Transform Me uh, by gospel singer Deborah Price. And tonight, you guys, we are on with author Mary Moss. Um, we've been discussing her book, Woman with the Alabaster Jar, as well as Woman at the Well. And so tonight, we're going to switch gears um, a little bit for the moment. And um, we're going to talk about um, making your dream come true, um, achieving your dreams and how to make that happen. And so, um, Mary, I know this is one of the things uh, that you, you love to discuss. And so um, what what is it about achieving our dreams and, and making um, it happen, um, you know, motivates you to um, encourage others um, how to make that happen? Well, I'll tell you, I think because um, my story's pretty typical in terms of somewhere along the line, um, mm-hmm. we lose our dream yeah. or we have people tell us that it's not possible, that we're not capable, that it's stupid, you know, that we're stupid, whatever. And and right. I always had people encouraging and uplifting me. I was very, very blessed. But, um, again, the grief took a, a, it rocked my world like I said when I went to um, that retreat that weekend in Orlando there were about 30 of us all in the in the in similar places we had had dreams and life got in the way or we didn't even know what our dream was but we knew we were meant for more you know we knew we had something to offer the world but we just didn't know how to make it happen and so that was part of the um the process was kind of um, breaking that down and getting back in touch, falling back in love with with that dream, with that unique thing within us that we could offer the world. Because that's really what our dreams are. And that, that also is kind of a shift in understanding, um, especially I think so much in modern days. Our dreams, and, and this, my, this is one of the reasons that I love my coach so much. He's such an incredible human. What he taught us early on was that your dreams are not for you. They're for the world, you know, and that resonates with me because I believe that God gifts us, you know. I believe in the spiritual gifts. They're unique, you know. That, that's part of our basic faith, that we are each divinely designed for a unique purpose on this earth, and it's not to make us feel better or to make us feel gratified. It's because the world needs what we have to offer. Absolutely. So that's even more daunting in a way than like, oh, it's not about me, you know, Um, because then I think you go back, oh, but I'm not good enough to offer. I don't have anything to offer the world. So, and I bring that up because it's a process that I think almost every person to a person goes through. So the first thing that I would say is, is get over yourself and get over that belief and get in touch with what is the thing that makes your heart so happy? Absolutely. I had this great big pie in the sky dream of um, kind of like my life mission statement of I want to um, help people um, discover how their story interconnects with God's story for their lives. Mm. Well, that's great, but what does that mean? You know, yeah. well, I want right. to write, I want to, you know, blah, blah, blah. I want to do this. I want to. So. One of the things that I would say is that's great, but that's not something achievable as a concrete thing. 
So break that big dream that you have down. Um, For me, writing the book, this latest book, was the first step toward what I want to do next. One of the the things that I want to do is encourage people that grief is not the end, that you don't have to stay in the grief, and that there is life after grief, because I want to offer the world hope and healing. Mm -hmm. I can't do that unless I write the book, you know. Um, someone else, you know, could have another dream, but the world misses out when we don't share that dream. And so that's, you know, so that would be the other thing that I would say is to break it down into bite-sized chunks, um, figure out what are the steps that you need to take. I, my, my coach teases me all the time because, uh, you know, I I can't do the program because um, I haven't finished my website. I need to learn how to do WordPress. And, <laughs> you know, he claims I had 10 things. I say, no, it was more like five um, <laughs> excuses on why, why I couldn't write this book. Right, right. And, you know, so he just encouraged me to really think about it and to really consider, um, you know, taking advantage of the opportunity. And I knew that it was a probably a once in a lifetime opportunity to have someone offer to walk with me through that process and to help me, um, you know, get, get it all kind of figured out. Um, and so I agreed to do it. And so he started, you know, kind of helping us um, define what our dream was or define what piece of the dream we were going to work on first. And then um, for me as a writer, you know, it could take, your whole life to write a book. Right. So we needed to come up with something that was measurable, definable, manageable, that would ensure that by X date I would have a book published. And so mm. it was I would write 30 minutes a day, every day. I would write tired. I would write sick. I would write busy. I would write overtime at work. I would write, you know, no matter what, right. every single day. And I, I decided early on that quitting was not an option. And I think that that was also key. That was something that he taught us too, that first you decide I'm not going to quit. Mm-hmm. And so the option for me, if I didn't write, I was quitting and the book was never going to get done. So what am I going to do since I can't quit? I might as well write. Some days that was the thought process. Um, <laughs> You know, other days it was um, just I learned through the process that I can do hard things. It was hard some days to write, especially on this topic where I was pouring out my soul. I had to really dig deep. And like I said, I was real transparent and and real, um, I don't want to say raw, but I mean, I was very honest about some of those hard feelings. And so it wasn't necessarily fun but I kept remembering that well what about what about these people who never got past their grief or what about people who have a you know quote worse grief than me what do I want to accomplish with this book I want to to offer hope and healing right so if I quit I'm not able to do that and I don't have um, my messages and it's powerful because it's not from personal experience that's how it relates to the book. Um, 
whatever your dream is. If you want to do, you know, in the program we have people the full spectrum. They Some of them um, have started businesses. Some of them have, you know, just – just the whole spectrum, but the principles are the same. Um, do you have to do something every day to move your dream forward? You have okay. to surround yourself with people who believe in you. One thing that our coach told us, and and this has been um, also key, is that I am on the side of your dream, and there are going to be days that you hate me. Because I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to, you know, hold you accountable because I believe in your dreams so much. Even on the days you don't, I'm, I believe for you. And that was so powerful, um, you know, to have someone say that to you. Absolutely. Um, to breathe that kind of, of life into you. Um, so those are some of the key things. You don't quit, you know. You if you say, you know, you break it into bite-sized pieces, maybe you do um, one of the, the um, women who went through the program with me at the same time does hand lettering. So now she's, she's teaching hand lettering to people all over the world online. Mm. But she got good enough to do that by hand lettering every single day. When wow. her kids were sick, when she was sick, you know, when she didn't feel like doing it, you know, whatever. So whatever your dream is, you just have to decide that you're not, that you're going to keep moving it forward, that you're not going to give up. And the other thing that was key for me is to decide in advance when your dream gets punched in the face, what are you going to do to get back up? Yeah. How are you going to do that? That's right. Plan ahead. And then when it happens, you're not blindsided and left, you know, throwing up your hands and saying, well, what do I mm-hmm. do now? Just because right. it's going to happen. And so just know that because the world needs our dreams. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we actually um, have a caller here. We're going to go to um, area code 510, last digits 9882. Uh, state your name and where you're calling from. Hello, this is Carrie. I'm calling from the Bay Area in California. How are you? We are doing great, Carrie. How are you? I'm okay. The smoke is starting to dissipate, so we're actually able to breathe a little bit over here. Oh, oh good. good. Praying for good, rain. Good. Praying for rain. Yes. Over yes. Yes, we've been trying to do our rain dances and all the send up the signals <laughs> like, give us the rain, please. <laughs> but, Mary, I wanted to say that I've been listening to you talk about your, your two books, and it sounds like um, your books are full of positivity and affirmations and, and your life experiences, which are commendable, especially in a world where there's so much negativity and people just need a ray of sunshine to help them get through. So my question for you is, uh, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Will you continue to write along this line, or will you venture out and try other things? Like, how, where do you see your career going in the next five years? Um, thank you for asking that. Yes, I, I actually have two or three books um, in the works. Now that the floodgates have opened, um, I've gone a little nuts. Um, I have a, a couple more <laughs> books that I'm actively working on. I have one that I'm working on with one of my um one of my friends that'll be out around Mother's Day, um, 
called Crayon Chronicles, and we share um, lessons that God teaches us through the children in our lives. And it's, I think it's really going to be fun, and we're collaborating with a couple of other people on that too. Um, but, yes, I mean, I, I, I do think that we have to um, share the light with people. You know, there's so much negativity. Things are, are just so dark right now that we have to just be a light for others who need it. So yes, I do, and I and I um, want to get back into um, doing some speaking and um, you know leading some workshops and things again too. Mm-hmm. Okay, and will you always write uh, along the Christian fiction or Christian genre? Uh, probably, I have a really good imagination, and I've written a few short stories that are not um, Christian themed or based. But that that mm-hmm. is really. Um, that has been what has sustained me, and mm-hmm. so probably so. Probably that will be okay. a majority of my focus. Excellent. Well, it was nice to meet you, Mary. I'm going to continue to listen to the rest of your interview. But I just oh, to thank you. And thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for calling in, Carrie. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, and um, uh, for you as well, have you ever thought about putting on some productions, uh, maybe stage plays for some of your books, Mary? Oh, that is not my gift, but I would certainly be open to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see that. I really would. I, I yeah. can see it in my mind. I just could, don't think I have what it takes to make that happen. <laughs> but I, I can see it. I have that good an imagination that I can see it all being acted out. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, of course, uh, Mary, for the folks out here who would like to um, purchase um, your books, um, tell them where they can go or how they can go about um, purchasing your books. Thank you. Yeah, both of the books are available on Amazon, um, and so that's one way. But I, also they can find me um, on all the social media outlets. I'm the Mary Moss on Facebook, on um, Instagram. You can message me, and mm-hmm. I can um, help you, you know, purchase a book. Um, I have a website, divinelydesigned.us, that also has a link for that. Wonderful. And uh, for the folks out here, uh, Mary, who um, early in the show, we, we've talked about having those moments, um, you know, where um, you're, you're going through transitions and you're trying to find um, that, that relationship with God or rebuild that relationship with God. And um, what would be uh, your words of encouragement to those individuals who, uh, you know, they, they may be having a difficult time. Um, you know, because of things that they that they've been through, and they're having a difficult time with reaffirming their faith. Um, what would be your words of encouragement to them? Do we have time for me to read a really short poem that I wrote Absolutely. about that called oh, yeah. "Do Not Be Discouraged"? <laughs> it's one that yes, I picked that would be out awesome. if I had the time. Oh yeah, um, thank you. Okay, okay. Do not be discouraged. Do not feel afraid. You are the most precious of all that God has made. Do not be downhearted. Do not feel alone. You are God's beloved, and his heart is your true home. Mm. Do not be unsettled. Do not feel adrift. 
You are from the spirit breathed, and your life is a precious gift. Do not be sad or angry. Do not feel betrayed. You are the son's brother and this great plan that God has made. Do not long for answers. Do not feel confused. You are the most prophetic of all the voices God has used. Hmm. Do not search for comfort. Do not feel unsure. You were made with purpose. And for this world, you could be the cure. Do not be discouraged. Do not ask God why. You are his beloved, and he waits for you in the sky. And that's from Woman at the Well. Awesome, 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 awesome. Uh, do you have another one you want to read? I don't I don't want to. Uh... Well, I don't want to make you go over too much. Time. Oh, no, no, you're fine. If you want to read another um, one, do one more. I had one really long one, um, but I okay. think what I'm going to do is I, I just want to do this, this one paragraph about grief. Okay. Um, okay. Because I think it kind of speaks to um, what we all feel. Um, mm-hmm. The journey through grief is dark and lonely, bitter, and even surreal. We don't deal well with change, particularly a change that rocks our world. The only way through it is through it. Amid our grief, it is unimaginable that God would ask us to relinquish anything else to him, and yet he does. He requires that we relinquish our question, why? Hmm. Wow. I love that. I absolutely love that. And if you guys want more, uh, make sure you head to Amir. I will be posting that. Um, on Facebook as well, so that you can go and read more uh, from her awesome books as well. And, uh, Mary, I thank you, thank you for coming on here and sharing such love and uh, encouraging us and joining us. I definitely appreciate you coming on here. And uh, we definitely uh, to more uh, of your great in the new year and all those great avenues. And so, Mary, you want to tell the folks how they can go about connecting with you as far as um, social media? I have the name The Mary Moss on Facebook, on Instagram, um, Twitter, everything. So if you just do at The Mary Moss, you will find me. I'm really easy to find. Um, And I have an author page on Facebook, and that's The Mary Moss Author. So, um, that was one of the benefits of having a great social media coach who turned into my dream coach is he taught us about branding. So if you put in the Mary Moss, you will find me on all the social media sites. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. And once again, uh, Mary, it was such a pleasure having you on here. I hope you'll come back again uh, real soon and, and chat with me. I would love to have you. Oh, thank you. I'd be happy to do that. I'd be honored. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And so we're going to get ready to get out of here. And um, Mary, I hope you have um, a great rest of your evening and a happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Um, and thank I hope you. you. Guys, thank to you. Um, have a, thank you. Um, an incredible and awesome rest of your week. And I'll be talking with you again soon. Take care. All righty. Bye-bye.
All right, you guys, that was Mary Moss, um, author of A Woman with the Alabaster Jar and Woman at the Well. And so with that said, folks, uh, we're going to get ready to get out of here. I hope you guys have an incredible Thanksgiving holiday. And um, we'll actually be back on tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to have songwriter um, Heart of the Pen on the show. Um, So you guys be on the lookout for that. Coming your way uh, this Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the beautiful Butterfly Show. I am Bianca Fly. You guys have a great, incredible evening. I'll see you guys tomorrow, same time, same place, right here on the beautiful Butterfly Show.
Thank you. 